Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Cristalano. And today we are going to talk about Teferi and the Mending. But before we get to that, there are a couple things we wanted to mention first. Lorelai, why don't you talk about what we're doing this month for charity? Uh, so, month of June, with uh, all the ongoing protests and also uh, Pride Month, we are going to be donating all our June Patreon money to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, an organization that fosters community support and um, artistic grants and uh, you know, civil rights activism through black trans communities across the United States. So, uh, you know, uh, anyone uh, who wants to support that as well, along with us, we have that uh, that donation link for them as our uh, pinned tweet. We're on Twitter uh, at the Borthos cast, all one all one phrase. So, you know, if uh, we would love for all y'all listeners to uh, at least chip in a little bit there, that would uh, be swell or if you can't uh, help spread that around. So Wizards recently put up an article called Depictions of Racism in Magic. Uh, this is in response to a um, an article uh, like a, on a Google Doc uh, that went into uh, descriptions of, you know, racial bias at Wizards of the Coast. Um, this is uh, a, a step to... Uh, towards fixing some issues that have been around for a while um one case in particular is a a piece of art from early magic called invoke prejudice which had a very unfortunate multiverse id that corresponded to a uh essentially a a white supremacist symbol uh and the art itself featured uh clansmen essentially (laughs) um and the artist uh, is a known neo-Nazi, essentially. So, You don't have yeah. to say essentially. He's just a known neo-Nazi. Yeah, fair enough. I, I'm just... Filler words. Filler words. So, you know, take a look at that. Uh, there are a lot of opinions on what's going on in the community. Um, you know, as a contractor there, I, I can't comment too much on this either way. Um, but this is a step. Uh, it is not the last step, I think, that... Uh, wizards would need to take uh, in order to address the issues that have arisen this is also a topic i think that we would need you know to dedicate a lot more time to uh to have a much more nuanced discussion than just sandwiching in front of uh, another piece we're doing uh so we'll we'll table this and usually around the end of year we do kind of a state of the vorthos community thing and this might be a good topic for that all right with that said, let's talk about Teferi. So when we left off, uh, Terry... Wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. Are you saying it's time to talk about Teferi? <sighs> get, get it? He's a time wizard. Oh I, mm. Goodness. You're, you're, fi- you're fired, Lorelai. You're fired. Uh, no, I got... Look, when this update's on Arena, you're going to get a lot more jokes like that. no why so when we left off with teferi he and joy his friend joyra uh had kind of flipped flipped urza the bird and phased out 
her section of Shiv with her people and uh, Zalfir from Jamura uh, in order to avoid the invasion and Urza's plans that essentially called for uh, Zalfir to be destroyed as a distraction for his, uh, his plans in the war. So when they phase back in, they come, they emerge to a world that is very different from what they left. So they left, you know, Dominaria kind of in its prime. And when they came back, everything was dying. The mana was very, very weak. And they discover that it is due to a time rift. So we'll get to the time rifts in a second. But their first destination is a place called Sky Shroud, which during the invasion uh, was phased in essentially basically when when wrath this uh artificial plane created by phyrexia to invade dominaria overlaid on dominaria pieces of wrath showed up on dominaria and sky shroud was a forest on wrath um the planeswalker freyalis uh kind of forcibly makes it mesh with the mountains of keld because otherwise the whole forest would have died out so she just protects it uh, artificially warms it so that it doesn't die in the cold cold mountains. Uh, and she becomes the protector of Sky Shroud. Freilies gives uh, to Fairy, and like she does everyone else, the cold shoulder, even though it probably should have been the warm fo- shoulder because she uses fire magic as easily as nature magic um, and wants nothing to do with to Fairy. But they come to an agreement that he would leave Sky Shroud if uh, he got to take Rada and convince Rada to take up the mantle of basically protector or leader of Sky Shroud. So Freilies and Teferi come to that agreement and Freilies goes on her merry way, fully expecting Teferi to fail and Rada to do whatever. But uh, Teferi takes Rada to... Uh, like basically, he catches up with Rada after she gives him the slip, leaving Sky Shroud to go chase after a Gothen warlord um, named Gret. He lets he gives her a little bit of rope to play along with, but eventually he gets tired of it and he absconds with her after uh, taking her out of save, basically saving her from Gret because she's not ready to fight him at the time because uh, she hasn't actually done the rituals that would make her have the ability of a Kelden warlord. Yeah, she is um three quarter elf, right? And a quarter Kelden? I believe so. Or I don't half remember. Elf, half Kelden. I don't remember the exact I I think she's three quarters. I think her grandfather was a Kelden warlord. She is part Kelden. She has that uh kind of trademark gray skin that a lot of uh Keldens have. After saving her from Grecht, uh, he takes her to um, the necropolis, the Kelden necropolis, which is a site of great importance to Kelden history. He finds that the necropolis is basically a is missing a huge chunk of it, and there's a space where the Golden Argosy should have been after. It, it was a, it was rumored or it was prophesied that it was should have returned after um, it left, but it never came back after it left with Elodomri and the uh... the Golden Argosy is just a funny thing because it just it's like 
it feels like in what was it apocalypse or, or plane shift like they they just kind of wrote themselves into the corner with this the Keldon dead yeah. all rising up and routing everybody and so like this magical golden dream ship shows up ferries them ferries everyone to the final battle where they need to be and then departs and just disappears from the story completely <laughs> uh, so after after noting the argosy and uh grotta tries climbing up to find the tomb of her grandfather um oh gosh what's his name aster yeah aster um she finds two of his daggers there should have been three because he was uh was it aster of the three blades um and he was one of the passengers on the argosy she takes the blades um and teferi finds the book of keld and tries to get Rada interested in it, but uh, she is not interested in book learning at all. She, she's not, which is funny because had she read that, she wouldn't have needed to ferry at all. But, you know, that's... Look, ca- characters with low intelligence stats and high strength stats don't need to read books. They just need to punch things. That's fair. <laughs> so he reads the book and puts it back where it was because it was hidden at the point, And... Uh, he takes Rada um, to the Mountain of Keld. Let's take a moment to explain why Teferi is so interested in Rada. What he has discovered is, after he discovered these time rifts, and Freyalise lays into him for helping cause this disaster, not that she's any more innocent. She's half as, or twice as innocent, half as guilty. She only did the one rift. <laughs> That's true. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. So, um... Teferi learns from Freilis that it's been 300 years, not just the 100 years that he believed to be the case uh, when he intended to come back. And the reason for that is all these time rifts have damaged the fabric of time. Uh, as you see in the set, it's like spitting out people from the past and, and future into the present. Uh, it's, it's a whole mess. One might even say time was spiraling out of control. <laughs> And this is why time works differently on Dominaria. <laughs> I, I need you to be quiet right now, Chris. I, I can't. I can't. I can't take this from you. I can't. I can't do it. So he's interested in Rata because she is a nascent planeswalker, but her spark or her soul, rather than being connected to the land like most people's, is connected to the Sky Shroud Rift. So this is part of her problem is she doesn't really have much in the way of magical abilities uh, because she isn't able to connect uh, to, you know, the mountains uh, like the Keldons do or the forest elves. like the um, like the elves do. So uh, Rada reluctantly joins with Teferi where Joyra immediately puts her in her place and Rada likes Joyra a lot she respects her uh in a way she doesn't respect Teferi who is you know always kind of uh I don't want to say shifty like manipulative you know he doesn't just straight out tell you what he wants while Joyra is very straightforward you can just say he's a blue mage (laughs) he's a blue mage yeah fair enough so they all head to Urborg, where Teferi has sensed another planeswalker like Rada, and that's where they meet Venser, who is an artificer messing around with Phyrexian technology to build a teleporter called an ambulator. They are attacked by Lord Windgrace, who abhors artifice and uh, wants to destroy all remnants of it. He's very annoyed with Fencer. There's a whole lot of background plot going on in here that we're not necessarily going to get into in a single episode here. 
Fun fact, though, Lord Wingrace was first mentioned in Forthos Material in 1995. I read that story recently. It's there that Teferi learns more about the, the rifts that are forming all over. Uh, in Yavamaya, Urza unleashing the Golgothian Silex created one. On Talaria, both the time travel and Baron blowing up the island caused one. Teferi phasing out uh, Zalfir and Shiv caused two. The Rathi overlay caused one when, when the Frexians invaded. Um, and the last one and the one that kind of broke everything was the one 100 years after the invasion um, when Corona uh was born on otaria and we're not we're not going to get into that today born is a very loose term but sure (laughs) (sighs) created from like three different people it's just a whole thing i don't talk about corona things that story's terrible teferi tries to enter into a rift with his companions he is end up he ends up being trapped in his memory of burning inside that slow time bubble while all his friends are spat out in madara uh, which ends with Venser kind of accidentally resurrecting Nicobolus. Uh, and it was, it's like Joyra's. Not just Venser, Rado and Venser, just to be clear. Joyra ends up doing this mental call to him that he finally awakens and goes and challenges Bolus. And Bolus just cuts him to shreds, like literal ribbons. It's quite embarrassing. It's No, it's really funny because Teferi talks big as Teferi does. And then Bolus just like snaps his fingers and Teferi's entire body unravels in a pile of spaghetti. Which doesn't actually do any real lasting damage to Teferi because pre-mending planeswalkers were hella strong. Once Teferi is able to reassemble himself, Rada is just done with him. Like, these escapades are, are, are boring her. She wants to get back to Sky Shroud. So a whole bunch of people essentially abandon Teferi at this point. All the people he had brought together to, to aid him. And Teferi, Joyra, and Venser all head to uh, to Shiv, along with, like, the one Viashino that came out of the rift with them. He's also one of the only ones left, because basically Teferi and Joyra left the Shivan rift with a couple Gitu and a couple Viashino, and uh, most of them have died at this point, and everyone's kind of fed up with Teferi. Well, so it was two Viashino, two Gitu, and Joyra. While they're in Shiv, uh, Teferi's kind of struggling to to figure out how to seal this rift, and he feels Rata complete the ritual in the Keldon Mountains, where she loses her connection to the Sky Shroud uh, rift and connects to the sacred Keldon Mountain um, that they call like the is it like the Mother Mountain? Do you remember what that was called, Brian? No, I think they just called it the Mountain. Teferi senses this through a link he had set up with Rada and realizes... She she yells for him to pay attention to her at the, at the moment she's doing it. And he realizes that if she can bond with the land and switch her bond from the rift, he can bond with the rift. Uh, so he bonds with the rift and basically drowns it in his planeswalker spark. He puts all his power into it uh, and... The Shivan Rift is healed, and Shiv is returned to Dominaria. Uh, because Teferi is doing both at the same time, I should be clear. Well, let, 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 yeah, he, he's time he's syncing up the killing of the, the Rift with when Shiv was um, coming back in. Because apparently 
both Shiv and Zalfir were going to be phasing back in on their own time. He wasn't actually, he wasn't actively trying to bring them back. He was trying to time it with how they were coming back. Mm, that's and, a detail I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. And he timed the, the return of Shiv with him ending the Shiv drift so that it wouldn't cause any extra damage. But once he does that, he wakes up and, uh, you know, some of the some angry Shiv inhabitants from modern Shiv are like throwing rocks at them, and the barrier that they set up is down. And one of the rocks hits Teferi, and he bleeds for the first time in over a th- in like a thousand years. So they all realize something has ha- horrible has happened to Teferi. He has lost all of his power, and that's where Planar Chaos begins. Now, Planar Chaos. Uh, <laughs> We're going to mostly skip over because Teferi is like catatonic for a huge part of it. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Brian? I know you commented on it. Oh well, yeah, he got hit by a rock. Oh my god. There is so much shade thrown at Teferi for just spitting the truth the entire book. And he gets no credit at all for anything that he says, even though he's right the entire book. So basically, because he's lost his power, he's he's not talking as much. He's trying to figure out what's going on with him. He, he's a shell of himself. He's a little bit less cocksure about going about things, but he, he's trying to share his experiences with all the other, these other planeswalkers who he's calling for to take up what he's done and do the same thing for their respective rifts, uh, meaning this is uh, Lord Windgrace and Freilies. And both of them and uh, Joera were, are all throwing shade at him, the entire book accusing him, like, treating him like a liar or having ulterior motives when he's telling them exactly what he was trying to do and what he did and how to go about doing it and telling them that that, that's what they needed to do and how they needed to do it because he was saying that the rifts needed to be closed as close together as possible to avoid the power spikes that are caught that are occurring when one rift is closed the other rifts have been getting stronger okay but if you are our pre-mending planeswalker and another pre-mending planeswalker who, you know, you're pre-mending planeswalkers, you don't trust each other to begin with, tells you that you have to do some spark magic to close a rift that you have to take responsibility for and it's very dangerous and that planeswalker is a known prankster, would you really believe him? So, <laughs> the fact... <laughs> like, that that's fair. That's, that's a fair way to go about it, but... Both of those planeswalkers, Windgrace and Fraley's, both know that he's lost his spark. Like it's not like it's it's something that you can't just hide that from a planeswalker. They can sense that you have the spark. So the fact that they both know that he has no spark, and he's trying to tell them that's like they know that he closed the rift. Like they can sense that the rift was closed. Sure, it's it's one thing to be distrustful but the way that they were just talking they were just dismissing him out of completely out of hand without giving him any thought until things were abysmally bad for them was kind of like kind of like eh, whatever also and the fact that joera and vincer were both treat giving him the cold shoulder all book despite his sacrifice was just like i don't i don't get it i i feel like maybe these old walkers aren't very good people <laughs> you know no, they, they most certainly aren't if you're, it is is Planar Chaos the book where Joda gives Teferi? Yeah, he, he gives he gives crap. Teferi yeah. a, a bunch of crap. Actually, let me pull that quote because I love that quote and I'm going to read it every time we bring this up. 
Oh no, I know. I love it too. Uh, I I I love a good uh, character takedown, and uh, it, it it is some excellent shade, which is kind kind of amusing coming from Joda, who has done his own share of destructions and manipulations. Not at a planeswalker level, but basically every named character in the book except for the Weaver King throws shade at at Teferi. We- Weaver King card went. Let's talk a little bit about where Teferi is as a character right now and sum up what happened. So, you know, he has this grand plan where he's going to just dodge the Phyrexian invasion, comes back, realizes he's three times as far in the future as he intended. The world is dying partly because of him. He then seals half his obligations, Shiv, he seals that rift, but loses his power. So he's also considering here he does not have the power to return Zalfir. And as he's encountering these beings who are once his peers, now that they know he's mortal, he has to reckon with the fact that they just completely dismiss him. Mortals are just not, they're like, they're like little ch- annoying children who are uh, trying to interrupt you while the adults are speaking. That's how they feel about mortals. And Teferi is now on the outside of that again. He's back to being a little disruptive student. <laughs> so Joda admonishes Teferi by um here, here's the passage from Planar Chaos where he just tears into Teferi and everything Teferi had been up until this point. Teferi went out alone. He called Joda from a safe distance in case the Archmage lashed out again, but Joda barely responded to the sound. Instead, he kept working with his tunnel transport and kept his back to Teferi. So Joda is basically creating a little portal to to go back to wherever he, he wanted to. Joda, he said, we need to talk. No, we don't. The Archmage did not turn. There are trials ahead that you could help see us through. We need you. No, you don't. We do. I need you. Venser needs you. Joyra needs you. Joda did turn now, and Teferi was grateful he kept his di- distance. You astound me, Joda said, rage steaming from his words. How low will you go? Teferi smiled blankly. What do you mean? I mean you're as manipulative a creature as I've ever met. Everything you say is designed to produce an effect. But worse, it's also designed to conceal the effect you're after. You're a liar who lies about his lies to himself. Teferi drew himself up to his full height. I'm sorry, he said. I thought you were the kind who didn't shrink from hard work when it was worth doing. Joda stopped. He didn't turn, seeming to argue with himself, and said softly, Urza. What? Joda stood and faced a fairy. I said Urza. I am descended from the brothers. Did you know that? I am descended from Urza's family, the one he had before he ascended. I had heard about you, but it never seemed important enough to mention. I'm mentioning it, you pompous fool, because I may have the blood, but you are the heir to Urza's mantle in ways I will never be. You are exactly like him, Teferi. A glib, patrician, elitist, all-knowing, and all-powerful high muckety-muck who thinks everyone should simply get in line and follow his lead. You believe that yours are the only answers that work, that your plans are the only ones worth following, but Urza was often wrong, and people always suffered for it. You were often wrong, and the people around you suffer for it. I only asked for help. That's all you ask for, and it's never all you mean. You don't want my help. You want my total dedication. You want me to do what you can, because you believe it needs to be done. That may be, Teferi said, but in this case, I'm right. 
And it doesn't matter. Don't you get that? No, Teferi admitted. No, I don't. Then try harder. And it's just like such a such a great takedown of planeswalkers in general. I, I just love Joda for this kind of stuff. Just want to say that Teferi was indeed right. He was right. Just, just putting that out there. <laughs> he was right. I mean, he was right, but uh, there might have been other ways of going about things. I don't think any of those characters were wrong. Both those characters can be right in their indictments. So uh, at this point in the story, Karn reappears hearing a call that Teferi and Joyra put out. Uh, and they begin... Nope, not not Teferi, just Joyra. Joyra, okay. He comes back and they all start to form a plan. Uh, they do manage to convince... Uh, I believe they convince both Lord Windgrace and Freylise at this point to seal rifts. Right, Brian? So basically, uh, Karn arrives right as Freylise has reached her wit's end and is has come to the final conclusion that Teferi was right and that she needed to give herself to the Rift. So she's basically combined the Skytrout Force into a single large tree to destroy all of the slivers and Phyrexians that the Weaver King has brought to wreak havoc on the forest. And then she dives into the um, the rift and blows it up. Um, and Karn is arriving just as that's happening. Freyley basically calls Wingrace's attention to what she's doing because as she's realized what needs to be done, um, she calls to him and tells him to follow her, her lead, basically. Um, he watches, he and Karn watch basically with Joira and, um, when Grace is still adamant that he doesn't need to do that, Karn talks, uh, tells him that that's basically what needs to happen. And I would like to take this moment to go ahead and say that when, or Karn is doubly responsible, he's, more, he's doubly more responsible than Teferi is for these rifts. Reason being, the Mirari. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Because... <laughs> He he caused the time travel rift in Teleria and the the Mar- the Corona rift twice over because Corona being formed was in itself one of the the rifts and then her her sucking up all of the magic and spitting it back out into the world is what caused all of these rifts to actually start sucking the mana out of the land. Anyway, so once when Grace has been talked into reason by Karn, um, he sacrifices himself to the Rift, and after leaving a little bit of himself to protect Urborg, after, in case he doesn't survive, which he doesn't, and then Karn, um, Joira, and Vincer with Teferi sulking in the background because everyone's throwing shade at him, they go about doing their plan of uh, sending Karn back in time to close the Rift, at Teleria. <laughs> By thinking real hard. Yeah, so Karn goes back in time, closes the Teleria rift right as Baron is causing the second overlap of that on that rift, and um, realizes he's been corrupted and he planeswalks back to Mirrodin right as he gives up his spark. And that's pretty much right at the end of the uh, future, Planar Chaos book. So in Future Sight, we'll just do a very abbreviated story here because Teferi is just kind of following along. Essentially, Jessica arrives, who was Corona, uh, thrice touched by Infinity because she was nearly <clears throat> killed by her brother, uh, and then was transformed into Phage the Untouchable, 
and then fused to become this godlike Corona and then had a spark uh, when she was returned to normal at the end of um, the onslaught block. Jessica interrogates Joyra, Teferi, and Venser on what happened with Karn, and she decides to take matters into her own hands. So unknowingly, she's being manipulated by Lashrak, an evil planeswalker um, from much earlier in the story that we're not going to get into right now. And the gist is she decides to use Radha to help her seal the rifts. And one of the rifts she seals is the Zalfirin rift. And she seals it before Zalfir is returned from being phased out. Oops. Even though Teferi is pleading with her to stop, they arrive like just in time. But, you know, Jessica is headstrong and not not listening to them. And she believes she's saving the plane. She seals the rift and causes Zalfir to be locked away. This is the part that's really important for Teferi, because this is when his mistake becomes unfixable. Before this, he could have potentially had another planeswalker or helped another planeswalker to return Zalfir before sealing the rift. But with the rift sealed and uh, Zalfir connected to it, it was beyond his reach, uh, even if he was a planeswalker at this point. So this isn't a time spiral uh, summary, so I'm just going to fast forward a little bit to all the rifts are sealed, uh, Radha, her spark was burned out from um, Jessica using her, uh, although in the end, she ends up helping Radha, uh, helping Jessica because she realizes how important it is. Venser also helps Radha, and using the two of them, she's able to seal the final rift. Uh, and then everyone just kind of parts ways, and Teferi returns home to Jamora. His homeland's gone, but he t- intends to travel and jokes about becoming like a, a storyteller called a lore weaver or maybe a uh, a court mage again. So that's where we left off with Teferi for about a decade until returned to Dominaria. Shortly after the mending, I, I think it's about, they describe about five years, uh, you know, huge time jump, <laughs> uh, especially by magic standards. Teferi is immortal and is living near where uh, Zalfir used to be, kind of on this new coastline, uh, and new settlements have popped up. And uh, he gets approached by uh, a fellow by the name of Quende, who's like, hey, are you Teferi? Like, the Teferi from the Mending Teferi? And Teferi's like, ha, yeah. Uh, And Quende takes out uh, dual crystal swords. It's it's the Talrum. Yeah, they're the crystal. They're them. the crystal swords made by the Talrum Minotaur. Uh, who, by the way, don't exist anymore because they got phased out. Uh, so Quende uh, was a citizen of Zalfir, uh, who was up, I guess, not in the country when it was phased out. So he's he's kind of the descendant of of a few Zalfirans who were not part of the phasing thing. And while, you know, Teferi's card was Teferi Hero of Dominaria, but uh, he is not necessarily revered in all corners of Dominaria equally. And Quende is like, hey, you took my entire culture and, you know, your culture and you got rid of it and I'm going to kill you. And then that does not happen. Uh, And uh, also at this time, Teferi meets a uh, caravan merchant named Subira. Teferi, you know, as we've uh, described is kind of a, a peppy, sarcastic, prankster, confident fellow. And uh, Sabira matches his wit step for step. And it, in a way that he seems to really enjoy being challenged. 
I want not intellectually, but charismatically. Uh, so uh, he and Sabira end up getting married, and they seem to kind of have their own lives. They don't seem to be that involved in each other's jobs or anything. But uh, you know, they they get married, have a daughter named Niambi, and Teferi kind of becomes a stay-at-home dad. And, uh, you know, we, we meet up with him, uh, again in kind of the modern part of the story. He's in Jamora, uh, with his daughter who is now 50-ish, 50, I guess she would have been, I guess we don't know when exactly she was born. She's like in her 50s. Teferi has been pondering the, the, the Zalfir conundrum for a while now. Uh, you know, he's not a planeswalker. He can't, uh, bring it back. But, uh, you know, Urza has hidden, all kinds of artifacts of miraculous powers across Dominaria. So he and his daughter have kind of uh, set up a little house near a, uh, I guess, a vault where Urza has hidden a thing and are, uh, you know, it's laced with constantly changing booby traps and, and time puzzles and all kinds of things. So father and daughter are, you know, retrieve this relic with the help of, uh, Oh, what are those people called? Oh, the Gatewatch and the crew of the Wellerlight. Because <laughs> they're all here on Dominaria after their defeat against Nicobolas on Amonkhet. Joira is like, hey, Teferi, come join the Wellerlight crew, old buddy, old pal. Also, I got you this special rock. Uh, it's a power stone. I made it from the mana rig, which draws energy from the ley lines around uh, Shiv. This one's got your spark in it. All the diffused energy you put into the rift and used to realign shift was drawn back into the stone. And, you know, you, you could be a planeswalker again. And Teferi opts to uh, <laughs> eat it. He just big old crunch. Good slip of cr- of opt in there. I'm very clever. Yeah, so he crunches the rock. The crunch part's not technically canon, but I don't see any other way for it to get inside him. Uh, and oh, Teferi, you do, but we're not going to talk oh, about no. that. It's not a suppository. <laughs> there, we talked about it uh, in a in a mature way. Did we though? Uh, we talked about it as much as I want to talk about Teferi taking a planeswalker spark suppository. So, real quick, let's just note. So he is at this point with this decision. He has you know, in the last couple decades, finally come to terms with what he's done. He's regained his humanity by having a family and raising his daughter. Uh, And then suddenly, this power that was the cause of like the biggest mistake and miseries in his life is suddenly thrust back in front of him. And so the thing about it is, when you're an I don't want to use addict, but it's probably the, you know, if you're, when, when you're a gambler and there are no poker games around, it's really easy not to gamble. When you are a godlike being and then you lose all that power as a mortal and it seems like it's never coming back, it's easy to come to terms with that. But then you're offered that power again. Do you take it? Uh, Teferi does. We already went over this. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's a plain, like, like he, he gets humbled by all this. Um, he, you know, he, he went from a character that I kind of despised to a character that I really enjoy. Thank you, Martha Wells, for writing that in the Dominaria story. Anyway, uh, so he kind of joins the Gatewatch on their misadventures to retrieve Blackblade from the Cabal Stronghold in Urborg, from Belzenlock. 
and defeat the demon to free Liliana from her contracts and obtain a weapon that can kill Nicobolus. Because, you know, at, at this point, Teferi is one of the few people existing who has faced down Nicobolus ever and one of the even fewer people to have survived. So he, he knows exactly the kind of threat that the Gatewatch is up against. Yeah, he does this really cool thing where he slows down time so that they can get closer to their target. That was awesome. Yeah. So he's just kind of like around for the rest of the story. Uh, Karn is there too, so he, he reunites with Karn. You know, that doesn't go exactly as planned because uh, Liliana gets picked up by Bolas when her contracts default to him. And, you know, the rest of the Gatewatch meets up on Ravnica to confront Bolas because Jace has informed them of everything. And uh, this is all what leads up to War of the Spark, which... Harry doesn't do a whole lot in. He He's there. Uh, he helps. There's an assassination attempt on Liliana with uh, Teferi, Jace, Vivian, and I am blanking on who the fourth planeswalker is. Yeah, Teferi does this really cool thing where he slows down time so they can get closer to his target. I think Jaya was the extra one there. Is yeah. it Jaya? God, that's... I... Doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like anything that's happened with Jaya in the last couple of years. Anyway, uh, so he's part of that. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the multiverse did not fall under Nicobolus's evil reign for all eternity. Uh, <sighs> he gets defeated. And after this, Karn is like, hey, I dug up the Golgothian Silex and I want to detonate it on Nufrexia because I need to destroy my creation that has been corrupted. And Teferi is like, ah, crap, I guess I'll help with that because that sounds bad. And uh, that's kind of where we leave off with him. Yeah, now he, at the very end of uh, the, the, the novel uh, Forsaken, <laughs> he, uh, he, Jaya, Karn, and Ajani all head back to his daughter, who I don't think we, have we actually named her? Nyambi. Yeah, we, we did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did. I, I missed it. Okay. So uh, he, they head back to Nyambi's house. Uh, in order to plan for the future. And that's kind of where we leave off. Did that happen at the end of Forsaken? I thought that happened at the end of Ravnica. I don't know, maybe it did. I don't know. I don't remember. Those books blended together a lot. Jaya might have joined them late because she's involved in, in Forsaken quite a bit. Yeah. Teferi, you know, has, has kind of uh, come full circle, but he's much wiser than he used to be while retaining his kind of uh, both gregarious personality and his kind of sly nature. Um, he's he's a very interesting character. I like him a lot. He's also more willing to like help and fight now. The War of the Spark seems like a thing that he might have hid from in the past when he was more powerful, but I you know I, he doesn't have that option anymore. And you know he's kind of uh, living up to his heroic acts in the Mending. Uh, and, uh, you know, joins the Gatewatch, takes the oath, so he's, you know, official Gatewatch, uh, member now, and, uh, yeah. Alright, so that about does it for Teferi. So, we know we're gonna be seeing, uh, a bunch of these characters now, hopefully, well, you'll, by the time you're listening to this, you will probably have seen whatever the new Nyambi card is, we've already seen Subira. Uh, so, it's exciting to have these, these characters finally get Good cards, because as we talked about in our in our pre-show here, Yambi was just a fetch card to get a Teferi card, which is not great. So it'll be very interesting to see 
uh, what powers they give her. And I'm excited to talk about her card in our Flavor Gems episode. Kirvek does work in my Rakdos deck. That card is stupid. <laughs> Kirvek is great. I'm excited to see what they do for a, a 2.0 card for him. So uh, I'll let that be my final thought, Lorelai. Very briefly, The Outer Worlds is finally out on Switch. I'm having a good time. Um, uh, Space Jim, spelled J-Y-M. Uh, that's that's my character name for RPGs. Uh, well, it's Jim when it's like historical RPGs, but if she appears in space, it's Space Jim. It's fun. I like it so far. Screw capitalism. My final thought is, despite the news not uh, really reporting on the protest as much lately, uh, they're still going on, um, and continue support for that. Uh, they're still going on everywhere, yeah. too. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some big ones this weekend, or will have been some big ones this weekend. My jurisdiction where I work, where I will not be working the week you're, uh, after the week you're listening to this, the protesters beheaded like every Confederate statue yes. in the city. <laughs> uh and it's great they're they they pulled them down they were not terribly safe about it and someone was injured so uh, just remember when you are destroying racist symbols of white supremacy uh that make sure everyone is clear before you actually pull them down and they start to crumble yep be safe guys and gals and wear your masks wear, wear your masks for multiple reasons i'm gonna say the reason i'm telling you to do it is because of coronavirus, which is a true fact for safety. But there are other reasons to wear them too. My final thought sort of along those lines is that um, there's a lot of really important discussions happening right now in the world of Magic the Gathering around race and representation and things of that sort in both Wizards of the Coast and content creation as a, at large. Um, I recommend that you go and listen to some of the voices out there who are talking about it and having these discussions. Um, on Twitter, I know that uh, A.U. Lowry, uh, I believe, is the Twitter handle, and also Lawrence Harmon are both very vocal and very involved in these conversations, and so you should seek them out and s- read their thoughts, because I cannot speak for people. <laughs> so, yeah. You should also check out um, Zion Beg, Z-Beg, on Twitter, who posted the article that really got us all talking about this in a very serious matter. So, yeah, that's it. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.